Hello and welcome to Chasing the Elephant, the first podcast exclusive to Seeking Alpha. Today we have Eric Parnell and he's going to be talking to us about Amazon and he is the first Seeking Alpha contributor to actually come on besides Yale, Richard and myself. We are very excited to have him on. Thank you for coming on, Eric. We have a couple questions for you. Our first question really just kind of right out of the gate. Wall Street has placed a valuation of $558.9 billion on Amazon at the time of this recording. And your argument is that it's a fine company, but not exactly worth the valuation. Could you go into this a bit more and explain your thesis? Well, absolutely, Russell. Thank you for uh, for having me on the uh, on the podcast today. I'm really excited to uh, to be a part of it. Amazon is really an extraordinary story in a lot of ways. There's so much to like about the company from from an operational standpoint. I mean, they are truly a uh, you know a creative destroyer, and you know through the things that they've been doing over the last two decades with their business. Uh, you know, I think they've demonstrated the ability to grow in a variety of businesses very effectively and really deliver value to their customers in terms of, you know, readily access to products at a low price. And, you know, they're a prodigious revenue generator. They're a prodigious cash flow generator. Uh, you know, they're really a fine company and really uh, a company that should be admired for what they've been able to do from an operational standpoint. But as that classic saying goes, just uh, just because a company is a good company doesn't mean that it's a good stock to own for an, your investment portfolio. And I I really think that's something that's true about uh, Amazon in the current market environment. And, you know, a statement like that may sound absurd, given the fact that the stock is effectively quadrupled over the last four years to say, well, you know, how could this be a bad investment, a stock that that uh, increases by four times over the last uh, three years? And, you know, it's really a byproduct of the market environment that we have been operating in during throughout the post-financial crisis period, where, you know, there's so much liquidity in the marketplace that it's, um, you know, feeding a, a certain degree of speculative behavior. And Amazon, really finds itself caught up in that wave. You know, for for all of their operational successes, um, you know, the question becomes, well, at what point is that all reflected in the stock price? Uh, you know, is the stock that much more valuable? You know, is it four times more valuable today because of what they've been able to do over the last three years than what they were, say, at the beginning of 2015? You know, that really stands into question when you just take a look at the company simply from from a rational standpoint. Uh, yes, they're able to grow revenues um, and they are able to, to generate cash flow impressively. Um, but the price that the stock has appreciated to at this point, you look at the multiple on the company to say, okay, we're, it's trading at 290 times trailing 12 month earnings. Um, and okay, well, the counterpoint to that is always, well, you know, they're, they're sacrificing, they're, they're sacrificing earnings today in order to increase market share. And the opportunity is always going to be there for them to basically flip the switch and turn themselves into an earnings machine. Well, okay, but, you know, they are operating in, you know, business segment primarily at this point um, that's retail. Um, and I know they have some technology areas as well that they're operating in. But the fact of the matter is, is that to a large extent, they are a retail company that's selling products to consumers. And you look at the margins that typically exist in that type of business, and you're talking about low to mid single digit margins. 
okay, let's just say they flip that earnings switch and all of a sudden they become this earnings generating machine. Well, you know, you're still talking about a company that in a best case scenario, applying generous margin assumptions today, they're still trading at 70 times earnings, even if they're able to successfully make that transformation. A company trading at 22 times cash flow, um, if they make that, they flip that switch, you're still talking about a company that's trading in the range of, you know, seven to eight times cash flow. Uh, you compare that to, you know, a company like Walmart, for example, which is, you know, trading at, you know, maybe a fourth of those valuations, even after a transformation um, for a company like Amazon to make in a, in a, in an area where margins are historically low. So effectively what that suggests is, you know, not only has the stock more than priced in uh, all of the, the tremendous um, growth that the company's been able to generate today, but it's priced in the fact that this company is going to be able to continue this at a remarkable rate um, for 5, 10, 15 years into the future. That's not necessarily a good bet in a whole. The S&P 500 trading at historically high valuations suggests very little very little margin for error, even in the best case scenarios going forward. Kind of to go in a bit more into the nitty gritty of Amazon itself, uh, bulls of Amazon believe the success of Amazon Prime with nearly 100 million subscribers paying 100 bucks a year, 10 billion of cash up front allows Amazon to have the capacity to leverage those relationships into more sales at little to no margin. How do competitors all over the business landscape counter that strategy? You know, we're talking about Walmart's Target, Macy's, CVS, etc. Right. You know, it's it's definitely a fine service, the Prime service. It's one that I use. I enjoy using it. But the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of these competitors are offering in their own right. They provide special access for customers. And in a lot of cases, customers aren't even paying for that that additional benefit that Amazon currently gets paid for in the Prime service. At this point, you know, it's demonstrated a lot of value to consumers. But as companies increasingly recognize the competitive threat that's presented by Amazon to their you know their traditional businesses, you know, they're turning and taking it head on. And you look at what Walmart's been doing recently. They have been you know they acquired Jet.com. They've been showing impressive growth in online sales themselves. And, you know, lately, uh, one of the things that Walmart has adapted into their own business model, they're offering two-day free shipping, which is one of the primary attractions to the Prime service to begin with. And they're offering two-day free shipping without any sort of Prime membership. It's just something that you get as part of shopping online with Walmart for, for most of the products that they provide. So um, it is certainly something that uh, Amazon has had success with. The question becomes, uh, what's the sustainability of that? Certainly, their competitors have been left flat-footed by the things that Amazon has been, done to this, has been doing to this point. But the game is heating up now. And a lot of these companies, if they're not already doing what Amazon's doing, um, they're turning and facing that threat head on and are really showing some some progress in in uh, in battling back against that threat. Amazon is actually is rumored to be looking into all different types of areas. You know, there, there's rumors about them trying to get some pharmaceutical licenses, auto parts, a greater presence in clothing. Um, many of these sections have been then selling off themselves. Uh, many of the, the sectors in the industries have been selling off 
based on these rumors. Uh, what are your thoughts on the drastic sell-off that we've been having? And also, uh, as for a second part, what are your thoughts on Amazon actually going into these different sectors? Do you believe it's overblown or do you think they're going to? Well, first on the sell-off side, I love it. Because in a market that has so little value in it right now, the fact that the the fact that investors or the marketplace has become so reactive to this to this Amazon effect threat um, has really per, has really created pockets of value investing opportunity that is you know otherwise lacking in this in this post crisis you know eight year plus bull market that we've been in so um, you know I think it's fantastic from that perspective in terms of being able to identify attractive value opportunities. Because I, you know, it is really, it is really overblown. It's become one of the most overrated threats um, to a lot of these industries. And that's not to say that Amazon cannot enter some of these areas of the market and become tremendously successful over time. Uh, but the fact that you have a company um, announce, like Amazon, announcing that they're getting into, you know, they've acquired a grocery business. Um, or they've they've acquired some pharmaceutical distribution licenses in a few states, and you see you know multi percentage point sell offs in some of these stocks. Um, it's absurd because you know speaking from a perspective you know with a background in uh, as a microeconomist uh, along the way in my working history, a company doesn't simply enter into an industry and immediately dominate that industry. Uh, that is a transformation, even if they're successful at doing it, at dominating it. That's something that can take years, if not decades, to achieve. Um, even with with the, the 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 size and the power of a company like Amazon, uh, just be, for example, if they enter into the wholesale pharmaceutical distribution business, that doesn't mean that. Uh, you know, the customers that are, are reliant on the McKesson's or the Cardinal Health's or the Amerisource uh, Bergen's are going to simply just jump ship and, and uh, switch over to, to Amazon. You know, those the, the, the presence in these industries is something that takes years to establish. And that there are certainly opportunities for Amazon in, in, in certain industries that are more attractive than others. Um, but that's something that that unfolds over time. Um, and the other thing is, too, that we see is that the market, uh, the investor perception, it, they, it's almost as if they're seeking a narrative that doesn't even exist. And we really saw that with the, the announcement of the CVS, um, the CVS Aetna um, and, uh, proposed merger the other day where you know the the um the, the the financial media was dying to try to attribute the the merger be, to being driven by the you know the the Amazon threat well CVS health recognized that retail pharmacy was not going to be the area where their business was going to survive over a decade ago um you know the story isn't an Amazon story at all it's 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 a united healthcare optum story maybe but it's not an Amazon story at all but if the market wants to have that misperception and provide value investing opportunities for those that, that see the opportunity there, I, I think that's a fantastic thing. Excellent. Thank you. So actually on that, that train of thought, Amazon definitely is in direct competition with a lot of large entities. We're talking about Google, Netflix, Facebook. I mean, even Apple to some extent, they, they're really in direct competition with a lot of these major, major uh, long-term companies. So do you think that it's possible that these competitors, now that they're really waking up to Amazon, could affect the growth rate over the long term 
which as you mentioned in, in question one, you think that Amazon is overvalued, so has a future valuation, not what it's worth today. Do you think that could um, have an impact on the multiple? Absolutely. You know, I think it's the Amazon Web Services side of the business is one of the factors that justifies a higher multiple for a company like Amazon relative to its retail competitors. So, you know, in that respect, I think, uh, you know, a higher multiple is justified. But once again, it comes back to that question, well, how much higher of a multiple because, uh, you know, Amazon Web Services has really been able to establish themselves as a, you know, a meaningful presence um, in, in the, you know, that technology space in which they're operating. But to say that they have some sort of dominant presence with a with a wide economic moat that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, defend that without fierce competition from the likes of Microsoft and and, and other competitors that are you know, cash rich in their own right and, and prodigious cash flow generators in their own right. I mean, that's something that is likely to be a dogfight in the years to come. And, you know, even if they flip that earnings switch and take themselves down from a company that's trading at 290 times earnings to something that's trading at 60, 70, 80 times earnings, you know, what is what is the differentiating force that justifies that extremely high multiple relative to some of the other competitors in that space? The, those those major competitors like Google, Microsoft, that that in and of itself is still implies a tremendous amount of optimism in terms of what this company is going to be able to do over the next five to 10 years. And that's not to say that they won't succeed in doing that. But at what point has that already been recognized in the stock price? And in many respects, from a valuation perspective, whether you're looking at it from, you know, enterprise value to revenue perspective, enterprise value to EBITDA, um, from price to earnings, price to cash flow, it is uh, way out in in front into the future in terms of what the market is priced in that this company is going to be able to achieve in the future, given the competitive landscape, not only in the retail business, that they are, you know, starting to get outside of their comfort zone with the acquisition of a bricks and mortar retailer like Whole Foods, um, but also in this technology space that is, you know, that is fierce, that transforms itself rapidly um, and is filled with competition and a lot of heavyweight competition to that uh, to that point. Thank you. So to go back a little bit, we were talking earlier about how Amazon is threatening a lot of these established companies and how that that threat is overblown. But two companies that I don't really think the threat is overblown to is a uh, UPS and, and FedEx, uh, the shipping companies. What what threat do you think that that Amazon is to these large shippers, especially as Amazon is trying to move away from uh, using outside shipping companies by increasing the investment that they've been making in their infrastructure of trucks and licenses for ships? Yeah, well, that's that's a great question, Russell. And that's one of the things that's important to clarify is that, you know, while the competitive threat presented by a company like Amazon, you know, maybe maybe overblown in its immediate market perception in a lot of cases, there are certainly industries where the competitive threat presented by Amazon is very real and it's very immediate. And I think you're absolutely right. In the shipping area, you know, UPS and FedEx, uh, a, a meaningful percentage of their business is reliant on the delivery of the products that are being sold by Amazon to the doorsteps of people all across the all across the country. Um, so if Amazon were to decide to take take on that distribution business themselves, 
um, that re- that represents a meaningful competitive threat to a company like UPS and, and FedEx. And, and once again, that's not something that yeah to to build out a a a massive transportation network to be able to deliver these products efficiently and effectively to the doorsteps of of people all across North America is not something that's achieved overnight but that is something that you know as it evolves and as as a company like Amazon through their innovation determines different ways that they're able to do that effectively and efficiently that's where you can see a more meaningful impact particularly given the fact that Amazon is the one who controls uh, you know, the the distribution of those products into that channel. So I think you're absolutely right. Thank you. So one of the things that is important to note about Amazon is that it consistently misses or beats by a lot its earning expectations. It very rarely actually hits it or is even close to their the expectations set forth by analysts uh, in terms of EPS. Could you please discuss EPS estimates by analysts a little bit? Um, just quickly give us an overview of your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, the the Wall Street estimates game that gets played um, when it comes to investing is one of those that, you know, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a head scratcher because, um, you know, from a from a statistical modeling standpoint, if you have people working on Wall Street that are trying to predict the earnings of companies, you know, how is it the case that you have companies that are beating analysts earnings ex- expectations 70 percent of the time? You know, from, the, you know, that sounds like a great narrative and we turn on the news and, you know, company X beats expectations on any given day. But if if companies have historically done that anywhere between 65 to 70 percent of the time on average throughout history, uh, what that implies is that the Wall Street analysts are doing a really lousy job of predicting the earnings of companies, whether it's Amazon or any company for that matter. Because if they were doing an effective job on it, we would expect that you would have a normal distribution where, uh, you know, half of companies would be that would that aren't meeting expectation. Half of those companies would be beating expectations. And the other half would be missing expectations. So, you know, clearly there's something going on there. And, and we I think we all know it's a it's a management of expectations where you, you start off a quarter where a company is has certain earnings guidance and it's gradually revised lower to to some point where you know the company is then subsequently able to beat that lowered earnings expectation and uh, um, so it's it's a game that's played and it's uh, it's it's a game that helps construct a narrative that's supportive for stock prices so you know we all understand that's that, that's a part of it and need to take those earnings beats with a grain of salt um, and you know keep just as much if not a greater eye on the forward guidance because uh, you know we don't we don't invest for what's happened in the past quarter as much as we're investing for what's going to be coming down the road in the next six to nine months at any given point in time. Now, the thing that's been interesting with Amazon over the years is that um, Amazon is a company that has really been, particularly over the last two or three years, and really over time, but particularly the last two or three years, has been given a free pass in that regards, where you know, okay, the company is very erratic, has a you know a, a much much higher standard deviation in terms of their earnings reports at any given point in at any given quarter. Um, but the market and analysts are comfortable to say, well, you know, that's just kind of that's Amazon being Amazon because they're you know they're they're maximizing revenues in order to increase market share and to put everybody else out of business. And they can, uh, you know, they can more finely tune and manage those earnings expectations after they've taken over the world. Um, 
well, you know, that may work in the current market environment and it may work where Amazon gets that free pass and then, you know, Walmart doesn't get that free pass or Target doesn't get that free pass at the same time because uh, they're being more of a traditional business. But that's a very that's a very sentiment driven type of market perception. And it's one that can work for a while. Um, but then it evolves into another phase when the momentum dies off and we move out of a momentum driven market where all of a sudden analysts start to maybe take a look and say, you know, maybe I maybe I'm not so willing to give the company a free pass on this. You know, maybe I'm going to take a look, a harder look, take a harder look at costs and see, you know, are these are, are these costs going to be able to come into control better than than what we're seeing today? Um, are these margins that everybody believes can be magically put into place some at some point in the future? Are they going to be actually be achieved or is that going to be more of a challenging transformation than than maybe what we thought a year or two ago? So um, the company continues to enjoy that free pass. Um, but given how far they've run so far in such a short period of time and how much how much future earnings and growth expectations have been priced in at this point, there's a danger that when that free pass goes away, um, there could be some downside that comes along with that in the aftermath. Do you think we should pay attention to the analysts giving them a free pass or do you think the analysts just aren't able to give a reasonable um, expectation of EPS from quarter to quarter, and specifically talking about Amazon. Yeah, I think you know, I think Wall Street analysts do a, do do a fine job. I'm not, you know, it's uh, it's part of the 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 environment in which they're operating, and I think I think their task is more challenged with a company like Amazon because there's a there's a greater there's a greater unpredictability associated with their business model by the nature of them being aggressive in what they do. You know, they the, to Amazon's credit, from a from a business standpoint, they see opportunity and they. And they go after it, um, and that can lead to some greater unpredictability and results. They they also you know they're not afraid to get into new business ventures and fail at those new business ventures. I mean it's, they're fantastic in that regards in terms of the the you know the entrepreneurial risk taking that that comes along uh, with being a company like Amazon. Um, but that can lead to a greater volatility of results and a great, greater unpredictability of results at any given point in time. So you know I think. I think Wall Street analysts have a taller task in terms of trying to predict the the revenue and the earnings of a company like Amazon than they do, say, for a company like Procter and Gamble. For the uh, you know, just as a comparison. Thank you so much, Eric. That was an interesting and in-depth discussion on Amazon. I, you have written a number of articles. Uh, I highly recommend people check that out. We will be linking some of your articles on our Seeking Alpha post, and we will be sure to link to your profiles. Why? Well, highly recommend checking. Uh, checking them out, everybody. Hello, this is Russell Katz, the host of Chasing the Elephant. Now, this is a bit unusual, but due to the extremely in-depth and fantastic conversation that we were having, we unfortunately had to split our podcast into two parts. So for the roundtable and the breakdown, please follow the link on the Seeking Alpha article to Chasing the Elephant, Episode 4, Part 2. Please tune in to the disclaimer. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. Investing money in capital markets involves risk and could result in losing money. While the people on this podcast express their own opinions, only you can determine if a specific investment is right for your portfolio. You should always do your own research before buying or selling any investment. Remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. Future results are likely to be different from past performance. All equity portfolios involve risk and may lose money. 
one should research any investment and make sure it is suitable with your objectives, risk tolerance, risk profile, liquidity concerns, tax situation, and anything else pertinent to your financial situation. Also, attaining or holding the CFA credential in no way suggests performance will be superior than a market index or market return. While this podcast is exclusive to Seeking Alpha, we are in no way direct employees of Seeking Alpha, and we are not directly endorsed by Seeking Alpha. Thank you.